When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscape is welcome to a brand new Geekscape. This is your favorite movies, video games, and comic book show. Uh, we also talk TV, pop culture, any of that stuff, you know, that's been popular for the last, I don't know, uh, 10 years and getting even more popular. But we were here at the start. We've been doing this for over 10 years. Uh, this, I think this is one of the longest running geek podcasts. And now we've joined forces with Westwood One. We're here in the Westwood One studios to bring you a brand new Geekscape episode. And... Um, want to pause real quick to let you guys know that Loot Crate is still our sponsor. If you go to LootCrate.com slash Geekscape, put in the promo code Geekscape, you get a discount off your subscription box. That could be the WWE box. If you're a wrestling fan, that'll, they'll send you wrestling stuff every week or every month. Sorry, every month. I wish every week. Uh, there's a horror Loot Crate, which is pretty awesome. I got Freddy Krueger chopsticks in one. I got <laughs> I got a pretty cool uh, um, like little Jason Voorhees that was cool in a Camp Crystal Lake pennant. That was awesome. Uh, or the big DX box. Maybe you're a big spender and you want to have the big items. Um, I talked on the last episode how they sent me a Jessica Jones uh, alias investigations bag in the last uh, crate, along with a bunch of other stuff. There's the regular Loot Crate. It's also the Loot Crate Gaming or the Lootware if you're looking for new stuff to wear that is cool. Uh, I like Loot Gaming, though, because they send you all sorts of stuff tied in with video games. And I'm currently intensely addicted to uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. It's really awesome, and I'm very lucky to have a Switch. But it took some detective work to, like, figure out through Reddit threads when the Walmarts were going to get or, like, Targets and stuff were going to get their shipments and, like, which ones to be in front of at 6 a.m. So... Story I will hold for later on, but the main thing is go to lootcrate.com slash Geekscape. Use the promo code Geekscape to get yourself a discount off your uh, subscription. And if you guys want to advertise on Geekscaping, you know, have access to all these geeks that are uh, always consuming stuff, going to movies and buying things, and they love it as much as I do, uh, send me an email, jonathan at geekscape.net. I'll put you in uh, touch with the right parties over here at Westwood One and... Maybe I'll be promoting your stuff. That'd be awesome. Anyway, let's get to it. This is Geekscape. Every week I have a guest and we talk about the latest news and reviews and pop culture. And you know what? This is a pretty specific guest. My friend Jeffrey Reddick. I've uh, been friends with you for about 10 years, yep. which is pretty awesome. And I'm, I don't know if I've ever had you on the show, Jeff. Have I? I wasn't going to say anything, but uh, no. I was <laughs> oh, man. Cry- crying that little Indian tear, you know, for no. the litter. Yeah, that, just, I that's did. ridiculous. <laughs> I remember in... 2007, I had a job only for a few months with current television, and it was the writer's strike. Oh, yeah. 
And we did a piece on the writer's strike and how it was going to affect working writers. And you were one of the people that we went around and followed and shot for like a day. Oh, yeah. And that is when That's I first we met. met you. Yep, absolutely. We went to a hamburger place in Hollywood. Oh, okay. We saw you guys do like a round table, you and like two or three other writers. And I was like, this Jeffrey Reddick guy is pretty cool. Two years later... ZombieCon year one. Oh yeah, and there Absolutely. we were at ZombieCon, and that's when that's when I was like, oh, I remember you from that video that we shot, and now we're hoping there's not going to be a strike. And um, yeah, well, you know what? As as a screenwriter who's not as working, uh, not working as much as you, what is going on with the with the strike? I mean, obviously, if you guys aren't into the Hollywood going ons, the WGA is up for another ten. It's, now there's a new strike, and a lot of it has to do with these streaming services and. How much, uh, you know, last last time it was Blu-rays and DVDs and Netflix and stuff like that. And, yeah. and there's not a strike. It, um, luckily, the contracts are up um, midnight, May 1st. So to that's midnight. Tonight. Yeah, midnight. As of recording, we're recording this a week early because this boy's going to India. I'm going to be going to India. <laughs> but so. his movie's coming out <laughs> May 12th. May 12th, yeah. So we're recording this early. Doing but, this a little early. So the strike hopefully won't happen tonight, but the contract's okay. up. And it's it's mostly over pension and health care. And the series, you know, they have a lot of series now that aren't 22 to 24 episodes. They have a lot of like six or eight, you know, season series now. Um, but the deals that they have in place are for 22. So they'll lock mm-hmm. a writer into a year-long contract when they're only working for like six months. And then the writer can't take any other work. So they're trying to figure all that out. But things look very, very positive. So um, by the time this comes out, either you guys will be like, Jeffrey called it wrong or there's well, no strike. I hope there's not a strike. I know a lot of uh, writers now who are working on things like the Marvel Netflix shows or they're working on some of the Amazon shows. And they've told me that they write their their episode or two or three. They go through the writer's room. And then when they come to production, they have these guys on a retainer, you know, through the extent of a 22, like you said, yeah. a 22 episode contract when their work is long gone and they want to move on. They want to go right. on to another job and... They're kind of losing money by yeah. being locked into these things to the point where they really have to get their representation, their managers or their agents to call up and demand their release. And it's in, I don't know if that's bad form. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's very icky. It's icky. And, it, you know, and it's also, I mean, you know, it's interesting just because creatively everything starts with the script. Mm-hmm. So in television, like the writers are kind of, you know, they start with the writers and in film, it's kind of been switched over the decades to where they... You know, the directors are kind of at the top of the totem toll and the writers are at the very bottom. So, um, you know, they kind of always give us a shaft on stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Yeah, you wouldn't get it, invited to set. You yeah, know what I mean? Like and, you- and yeah, and so I've, I've had to, you know, just... I've been in the industry for a long time, so I've learned to forge good relationships with all, all the directors on on my films. So I've got to visit the sets of all my films, but usually they they don't want to have the writers on set. And a lot of times, you know, there's... You know, people, they'll want you to write a lot of free drafts that aren't in your contract sure. and things like that. And, and you know, and... So, you know, they're just trying to make the contracts as fair as possible. And I, it seems like now there's not an appetite for a strike on either side. Uh, ten years ago, both sides were – it was very public and it was very ugly. And there was new media. That was, there was, there was new, something that just hadn't been addressed. Right. And a strike, I, I think, was the only way to actually make force people to sit down and look at it. Right. Absolutely. Because they were still giving us the residual formulas based on DVDs, which mm-hmm. were – I mean, just tapes, which were – huge to ship and you can only you know what i'm saying so they're right. so much cheaper to make dvds and so they're making so much more profit but they didn't want to they didn't want to share but it, it seems like now everybody's in a very good place where they want to make this work and things seem very positive going into it and they don't do it so much now but 10 years ago remember when they would just take segments from or like uh things that hit the cutting room floor on tv shows like like the office 
and jokes that maybe were cut, and then they'd put them online as bonus features or mini-sodes, and the writers who had written those episodes didn't get any additional pay for those right. things actually being released yeah. because there's always a bump in some form when a writer sees their stuff to the screen. Not unlike our friend right here who's going to have his movie released May 12th. Uh, so, I mean, you guys will all have seen Guardians 2 five times by then. So the least you guys can do is set, uh, suit up for a little bit of horror and go see this movie Dead Awake. Absolutely. It's going to be in like 10 cities. Uh, so mm-hmm. you can go to the website, areyoudeadawake.com to see which cities it's playing. But it's going to be on demand as well that day. So it's um, a day and date release. Day and date release. And I'm just telling everybody, please, like, if you want to see it, like, just rent it. Don't don't illegally download it. Right. Um, because it's an independent film. And I, had a, I have a lot of friends who, you know, do independent films and, you know, they get killed because people illegally download the films and, and don't buy them. And, you know, we really, we love this project and we put a lot of hard work and blood, sweat and tears into it. And we want to make a franchise out of it. And, you know, the only way to do that is if the film actually make, makes a profit. So, um, mm-hmm. You have some franchise experience because you created the Final Destination franchise. And when I was reading about you, the most fascinating story that I had never heard, because uh, we, we don't hang out that much. We see each other in passing at different events. And I was walking out of Logan and I saw you <laughs> at the, randomly in yes. the arc. And, uh, and um, so I, see, I just see you in movie theaters and stuff. And it's great to have you on the show now. But the story that I thought was amazing, and tell me if it's true or not, because the internet lies, uh, is that when you're 14, you were right, you wrote that prequel synopsis treatment and sent it to New Line, hoping that Bob Shea, you know, the, the house that Freddie built, would read it and maybe bring you in and be like, hey, this genius. And you hear stories like that of like George R. R. Martin writing Marvel fan letters and things like that. Like his first published work was a Marvel fan letter that he sent to Stan Lee and things. But you, as a 14-year-old, you wrote yeah. uh, what you thought would be a cool concept as a prequel to Friday the uh, 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 yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. which was my favorite. And uh, and they, they wouldn't read it. They can't legally read that stuff because if they use it, they got to do something. You know, you could lawyer up. Yeah. And, and well, the funny thing is it, it is a true story. And, um, you know, I was 14 years old. I always joke because I'm like this 14-year-old hillbilly up in the hills of Kentucky. And I saw Nightmare on Elm Street blew me away it's still my favorite movie of all time and um and so yeah i wrote a prequel idea and sent it to bob shea and he sent it back because it was didn't go through an agent sure. they, they don't want to they can't read stuff that doesn't go through an agent because you could sue them yeah you know it makes them pretty susceptible to things but um i didn't know any better so i wrote him back and i'm like look sir i've spent three dollars on your projects and i've seen three of your movies so you can take five minutes to read my story and he read it and he got back to me um and he thanked me for my aggressive introduction. <laughs> Gave me some constructive criticism. And that was right after Dream Warriors. No, this was Nightmare. This was original. This, okay. I was 14. Oh, you've seen it three times is what you're saying. I'd seen, I saw Nightmare on Elm Street and then I saw Alone in the Dark. They did sure. that one and they did it. I, there was another one that they put out right. that I'd seen. So, so yeah, I was like, I've seen three of your films. And, um, oh, three of the New Line Three New Line films. films. So, yeah. And um, I ended up becoming pen pals with him and his assistant, Joy Mann, over wow. the, from 14 to 19 and then I went to New York when I was 19 to study theater at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts for the summer. And uh, they asked me if I wanted to intern at New Line. I was like, hell yeah. And they were still over there. Yeah. They were, they were, um, they were up near, they were at near um, uh, 42nd Street. Kind of where MTV ended up. In the in, kind of, sh- yeah. they were in that scary part of <laughs> Oh, so Hell's Kitchen. This is, yeah, this is before they moved up to uh, 7th Avenue. Right. To the Ritzy building. The only, when I, when I lived in New York, but this was circa... 2000 summer 99 i spent there at mtv and then i in 2001 i went to i was when i moved out there to go to columbia and it was still hell's kitchen but i imagine 
it, it's Clinton. It was now. less hell. It was now less hellish. Like, now they call it like Clinton or something. That's all van. But but I remember some nights you're like, okay, I don't want to be hanging out here too much. I can only imagine what like removing a couple Giuliani years off of that oh, yeah. meant because he really cleaned that place up and turned it into Disneyland around Times Square. But starting to head into the water and you go now and there's like running paths and things. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like no, super it was, nice. It was scary when I first started working there. They were just like, you know, a couple of our executives got, you know, mugged walking <laughs> from the subway station. Finally, they're like, we need to move. Like, right. This is ridiculous. But that's um, where Daredevil takes place. Yeah. You know it right there in Hell's yeah. Kitchen. So you guys. That's what that's old school Hell's, Hell's Kitchen. That is old school Hell's Kitchen. And, and in the Marvel MCU, because of the incident, the Shatari invasion in Avengers, it's destroyed that part of the city a bit and set it back a few you know so uh that's how they muddied it up again for, make it for the, dirty yeah, yeah that's how they made it dirty and gritty again because it's got no personality now yeah it's yeah it's, it's, it's got gentrified it's really pretty yeah it, it really sucks man if there's not a fear of getting knifed it's not new york city <laughs> um that's cool that's cool and and so you ended up uh their intern yeah i um interned and and basically i started off in the story department but then mm-hmm. Um, over the course of probably two years, I had ended up filling in for everybody's assistant. So they created a floater position for me so that if anybody's assistant was out, I could just fill in for them. So like if Bob's assistant left or somebody in marketing. So I floated around for a couple of years, um, worked in accounting for a couple of years. In my last five years, I was in marketing and television um, wow. under Bob Friedman. So, in What was happening in television there? Because when you think about New Line, you only think, you know, and this is in the 90s? Uh, yeah. 90s up till 2001. Right. And so Jeff Katz was starting to be there as well. Yeah, Jeff was, it was funny, Jeff was in LA. And so Jeff was like the LA version of me where he wrote Bob, when he was like a teenager, he wrote Bob a letter as well and then got on in LA. So we finally ended up meeting and becoming friends. And we're like, our joke was like, I'm the brown Jeff and he's the white Jeff. (laughs) And the Um, thing about (laughs) Jeff Katz, just to fill you guys in, Geekscape, is Jeff Katz ended up being the guy who really pushed for stuff like Freddy versus Jason. He pushed for things like shoot him up. Uh, and he also pushed for like snakes on a plane. Yeah, you know and he did so. a he did a Freddy versus Jason versus Ash treatment, and he did. turned it into the comic book. So that was uh-huh. pretty awesome. I guess Dynamite ended up putting in that comic, or somebody in they weren't. It wasn't bad. No, no, it was a, it was a cool idea. You know, the fans would have loved Freddy versus yeah. Jason versus Ash. Uh, what do you do with that? You know, it's yeah. like it's all it, it'd be pretty awesome. And I liked Freddy versus Jason. I did too. I did too. We went through so many. I mean, it was just. And you were like there a, during all that. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was. I, I loved the time that I was there. It was. It was really the golden years because it, by the time I got there, I think they were up to Nightmare Four. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then they were. You know, they were doing the Mask and Dumb and Dumber and Blade and House Party. And you said they were at Nightmare Four when you got there. I think it was Nightmare Four. And that's the Rennie Harlan one. Yeah, that's the the. That's awesome. I love Nightmare Four. I mean, people. Is that your favorite? Which is your favorite? Me. I mean, well, the, the original is your favorite. Original is my favorite. But of the sequels to Nightmare on Elm Street, what do you think? Well, I love Six. Uh huh. Um, and then I That's love new nightmare. New nightmare. Yeah. And then I, I I love I love four over three. I know people hate oh. me for saying that, but the the only reason is I'm I'm such a big comic geek, and sure. I started reading comics when I was, you know, like twelve or thirteen. Mm-hmm. That I love the idea of the Dream Warriors so much that it just even even though I was young, it irked me that it's like okay, each character would get one second to fight Freddy, and then he would just kill them. And then they sure. would move on to another This character. isn't Dungeons & Dragons, kid. So, yeah, so part of me was like, I didn't feel like they executed Like, I didn't, I know that they changed the script a lot. Like, there was another draft that Wes Craven wrote, and they changed it really quickly mm-hmm. before shooting. So I just didn't feel the execution of the idea was what it could have been. But I know visual, special effects-wise, they couldn't afford to probably do a, I, I thought like an Avengers one. 
Dr- and they killed Nancy. That pissed did. me. That <laughs> in number three, they killed Nancy. Yeah, pissed me off. So you had like. You have no idea how much I've been. And Chuck Russell, like, I think I've always liked him. Yeah. Obviously, he did go on to do the mask and stuff like that. Um, but in the blob, he did the, the, oh, yeah. the 80s blob. Yeah. And Chuck Russell's one of those, uh, I think he did Scorpion King, too. He's one of those, those like, work for, like, directors who just comes in and does the genre stuff pretty well. Yeah. Uh, believe he did the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie Eraser. He did. Yeah. Um, but he was one of those careers. I was like, oh, I, you know, not a, not a, not a bad. He's, not had a, he's done and he's had a really good career. I was like, not a bad like pitch hitter genre director who just kills it. The Mask is awesome. Yeah, yeah. The Mask is a really well made movie, and I do have a very soft spot in my heart for Dream Warriors because that is the one where I mean, number, Nightmare Two is just effing weird, and there's something really cool about that. It is now, but when you're watching it, that's what I kind of tell people like. When you're watching it, when it comes out, like you see that first movie, which right. was so terrifying. It's incredible. And, and it's, every time it comes back in theaters for one night only or something yeah. like that, I'm there. Yeah, me too. It's a, it's phenomenal yeah. and it holds up and it's incredible. And then the second one comes out and it's like a comedy. Mm-hmm. Almost. And like so making it, out on the phone with Freddy or the, 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 the you got the bus on top of the, the, the pillar. Yeah, and it's exploding parrots and it, sure. you know, so it was, it was, it was, <laughs> right. it was, it was such a comedy that it was such a, it was just such a shot. And then Freddy like, you know, comes out of the dream world, and it, it you know, just didn't. Hmm. After that first one was so scary, the second one I felt needed to kind of top that, and it went in a completely different direction. So it was so tonally different that at the time it was doomed to fail. But now you can kind of look back at it and enjoy it for like the camp value. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, yeah. No, it, 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 to me, it feels like the season of the witch of the Nightmare on Elm yeah. Street movies is the one that's kind of. Just the weird one. Yeah. And I, I, and I do love Season of the Witch for what it is, but come on, that's not really a Halloween yeah. movie. <laughs> and that's why I like four because I because I thought this Rennie Harlan's style, he's got such a stylistic way that mm-hmm. he shot that film. I didn't like that they killed off all the spoilers. I'm sure most sure. of you have seen them by now, but right. I don't like how they just killed off all the Dream Warriors at the beginning. I, that annoyed me, but I just thought... Kruger, <laughs> you pussy! In the dog <laughs> pissing fire. fire. I love that. But that's cool. Kruger, but, you pussy! <laughs> you know, there's the trash. Yeah. But it's it's so well shot, and so it's so beautifully shot. That and there's I, some visceral moments, like when the, when he's on the motorcycle, the motorcycle starts going into going his arms right. and stuff like that. Yeah. That is fucking awesome. Yeah, and I love that, the idea of the Dream Master. I like the, her absorbing their powers, but I just... I I'd hope that that would kind of up the ante. I mean, that's what I think they should do now. They should just do a, you know, a Dream Warriors remake, you mm-hmm. know, instead of a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel. They, should, they have the technology now to really do a kick-ass Dream Warriors. Especially now that there are superheroes in yeah. a lot of movies and there are powers and things like that. And then you have Universal's revamp of the monster lineup and yeah. they want to do a shared universe on that end. Um, you have to start wondering, like, what what is New Line got? I mean, that that nightmare, the the Friday Thirteenth that they ended up not doing over at Paramount, you know, that was that was they were gonna do, and now they're not gonna do. And then you have this Halloween movie that it, it, am I right in, in thinking that this new Halloween is the one that um, that uh, David Gordon Green's in charge of, or is he doing Friday Thirteenth? Um, is it Halloween? It's David Gordon Green and uh, Danny McBride, and they're doing. The new, okay, and I think they're I think doing. Halloween. I think they're doing Halloween, and I like the idea of somebody who has as much unique storytelling abilities as Danny McBride, and who's also an Alien uh, Covenant coming up. Right, like it's kind of cool. And of course, we got uh, who do we have in the uh, the Predator movie? Um, Mr. Uh, not Jordan Peele, but Keegan. Uh, 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 
how do you say his it's full name? Don't you know what I'm me. saying? Like yeah. from Key and Peele. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think that's cool that comedians are doing this stuff because you definitely don't want them to die. Right. You need some lev- levity in those movies Absolutely. and you definitely have them. And I, that's what I loved about Freddy was he was the levity in his own movies. Right. Right. Um, I did, was not a big fan of the Decker Haley uh, Nightmare on Elm Street redo. You know, the funny you know? thing is I, I because I'm such a big fan of the original mm-hmm. and I saw the Friday the 13th remake and loathed it um right so i'm like well i'm gonna hate the, the platinum night. dunes one yeah 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 just because i like the first 20 minutes and all of a sudden it's like another movie's cramp like a really short movie ta- comes over sure. and takes over um so i was like well i didn't like that one and and i did the day of the day we can talk about that later but you know yeah i can't so you know there I, might be there might be a question waiting for you for oh, I'm sure, I'm sure from I'm day sure of the day uh, jeffrey oh, i'm sure there is <laughs> um so I don't look down on remakes. Like I think that they're fine, um, and they don't negate the first. They don't one. negate the first one, and right actually, race or VHS tapes. right? It bring you know, if anything, sometimes I think it can have people go back to see the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I was going to hate, hate Nightmare more than I did. It wasn't a good movie. I didn't like that they took the iconic moments from the original one and just did just didn't do anything like the bathtub scene. Right. It's like oh, nothing happens in the bathtub and. It was visual. We're, Sam Bayer is a very visual director, but it looked beautiful. But yeah, uh, yeah, we're gonna slam Tina against the wall really hard. A, a couple, you know, and but um, I didn't. Di- I thought it was silly for them to try to play it like you didn't know if Freddie was really guilty or not because of mm-hmm. course he's guilty. So, um, but I didn't hate it as much as I disliked the Friday the Thirteenth remake. Right. So and while we're talking about the major three like the mike myers remakes that like what do you think of those the rob zombie ones that when he got the hold of halloween one and two like are those are you down with them or you know it's it's interesting i and i and i hate to talk about other people's goal you know in we're, rob we're zombie gonna, i respect because he has a get, really cool visceral he's got style a very, like he has he's a got, great grasp of color and texture and i'm like shit man this guy really gets right. like that Film can affect you on a on a on a visceral level, right? And he gets that he's very and again, I grew up like in Eastern Kentucky, so he kind of gets that kind of you know backwoods backwoods kind of vibe, which which I can really appreciate. But I, I think my issue with the Halloween remake was it was like the first hour was like you know the kid story, and then all of a sudden it was like they remade Halloween in like thirty minutes. You know what I'm saying? So they took yeah. all the set pieces. So I just I wasn't you know make something fresh. Yeah, it was like you know I felt it could have. He need, could have gone one way or the other a little further, and I would have enjoyed it a lot more. I do like the um, the intensity of it, though. Right. And I love Daniel Harris. You know, just love her. I thought she's brilliant. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it was Bray Grant in one of those. She was in the second one. She was in the second yeah. one. And now she's in this movie, Dead Awake. Dead Awake, yeah. opens May 12th, and you guys, it's day and date. So if you're sitting on your PlayStation 4, playing your games... And you got access to the internet on that thing, which you do because you know you're playing Overwatch. Pause the game, go back to it in a few hours, download this movie, watch it, rent it, and uh, you know, give it a couple downloads, legal downloads, legal. <laughs> because yeah. you know all that stuff, especially on an independent level, especially looking at a week where there may or may not have been the strike. Um, this stuff really affects us on a very very immediate level yeah and it's that's not a, like a trickle down thing it's not like it's gonna you know it's like people are like oh but those stars are so rich and they make someone they don't make i mean guys like jeffrey like the this stuff affects them immediately yeah yeah and it affects everybody um you know everybody that you know because this film was also independently financed mm-hmm. so you know we have the you know producers and investors who put their own money into it so this really was a labor of a labor of love and most independent films are mm-hmm. and you know that's why there's always kind of a disconnect because people see the final destination franchise 
you know, but that, that movie came out 17 years ago. Um, I wrote it when I was five. When that thing started up, you were still at New Line, and obviously there, now you're at New Line, and they know you very well, and you're spitballing ideas, and you're working on things, and that idea came out of what? You know what, I... Um, the the kernel for the idea, I was flying home to Kentucky and, and I read an article about a woman who was on um, vacation and her mother called her and told her to switch flights. You know, mm-hmm. don't take the flight home tomorrow that you're on. I have a bad feeling about it. And she switched flights and the plane that she was supposed to be on crashed. So wow. I that planted the kernel in my idea uh, or the kernel of the idea in my head. And I didn't couldn't figure out a story for it. But then back in those days, you had to write something for a spec script. We still kind of do for TV because mm-hmm. they know that you can write your own voice but they want to see that you can write other characters as well so the x-files was like my favorite tv show and um so i wrote an episode of the x-files and used that as kind of a you know the the story plot and um had scully's brother be the one that had the premonition she had a brother uh, charles that we didn't see really see but you referenced him in a few episodes yeah yeah so i decided to bring him into the you know because when you do a spec you're like oh you want to make it stand out so um but one of my friends, Mark Kaufman at New Line, you know, read the pilot. He's like, this is great. You should write this as a feature. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. T- don't waste it on a TV show. So I, I never sent it to the X-Files show. People think that, you know, that's that's online that I submitted it. And, but I never submitted it to the show, actually. But, yeah, I hooked up with a, a friend of mine, Chris Bender, who used to work at New Line Cinema with me. Started working for the two producers, Warren Zide and Craig Perry. And they were looking for horror films. And they were like, send us your ideas over. So I sent them like five or six ideas over. And they really sparked a final destination and we developed it. And, you know, because I knew at the time, because I worked at New Line, that they wouldn't take me as seriously um, taking an idea. So I, had to go, so I had to go outside of New Line to a production company or producers that had a deal at New Line. And oh, it was wow. still a hard sell because they... They couldn't write. Little their, Jeffrey? Yeah. Little Jeffrey? Jeffrey really thinks little, he can write. Send it in those Isn't books? he adorable? That's cute. Get my cappuccino. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, um, so, yeah, so I went to Craig Perry, and um, but they couldn't wrap their head around death being a killer. Right. Like they were like, oh, okay. you can't fight death. How are you going to make this into a movie? Sure. And it literally got to the point where we, we, at first it was adults that didn't know each other, and then it was like Scream came out, and mm-hmm. um, so we made them teenagers, and we just kept reworking, and finally Craig's like, all right, I'm bringing this back to you guys one more time. If you don't buy it, we're going to Dimension. Oh, we're like, oh, we're buying shit. it. Yeah, the thr- <laughs> yeah the, he threw it down. He threw it down. So um, so they bought it, and we had a, you know, and... Got the Weinstein boys on the phone over there. Yeah, yeah, so <laughs> then they then they got it. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was great. And, I, you know, I stayed at New Line through the first one. Um, you know, just, I, you know, it, it was weird because I grew up there. I was from 19 to... You know, so I didn't really know any other world. So I never thought to like, oh, I should leave and go to L.A. Uh, I'm like, oh, I can just do this, you know, and I'll keep my job. And people are like, why are you still working at New Line? I'm like, I love it here. Um, but then after I sold the story for the second one, I was like, all right, let me just time to be a big boy and go out in the real world and, start doing and be a real writer. writer. Yeah. yeah. Um, the joke that I've said on the show before, the, the Final Destination joke, is whenever I'm in traffic and I look at the car next to me and it's some girl just putting on eyeliner at the red light. I always, or somebody's doing something silly, like if they barely get bumped, that eyeliner's going to go, right. in, or that it's going to go into their eyeball right. or something. Whenever <laughs> I see something like that, I'm like, oh my God, I'm an extra in her Final Destination movie. <laughs> and it just takes that one thing for the mouse trap to start. What are the names of those devices? Rube Goldberg. The Rube Goldberg yeah. device. It just takes that one little bump for it to start. And I'm fucking sitting here next to her. And in three minutes, we're, three minutes we're all going to be dead and exploded across yeah. the intersection. Um, 
So just be on the lookout, guys. You never know when you're in somebody else's Final Destination movie. Um, and then, so the sequels, were you that involved or you not that involved in uh, it? I was with the second one because, mm-hmm. um, I, I, again, I wrote the story for that one. Um, and so they bought my story and, and Eric Bress and J. Matthew Gruber um, came on and they had a story as well. So they combined our stories and they wrote the script for the second one. Um, and I've been in touch. You know, Craig Perry is a, a really dear friend of mine. He's a, He's also... I mean, he's a wonderful producer just creatively, but he's a wonderful person. And he's also like, he's a, he's a geek, you know, right. like you'll see him at like these small little horror gatherings. That, like Jeff Katz. Yeah. Like you would never, you know, it's like Craig Perry. Like you'd never right. expect him to be there. It's but, a dark dog because he's every weekend. Yeah. He just, he, you know, and so he's like one of us and he's, he respects the genre, but he's also such a smart business guy. So, I mean, I stay in touch with him and, you know, we, we talk about ideas and, you know, like, you know, I knew what was going to happen at the end of. I don't, you know, I don't want to spoil that in case people haven't seen it. The but fifth one, yeah. So I knew, what, right. I knew, I knew where part five was going, and so, so I kind of know. And I'm friends with Tony Todd as well, so sure. you know, we kind of, you know, I'm still, you know, tied with that group of friends. And um, so, are you are you saying that you guys are slowly ruminating on a way to maybe give us either a six or some offshoot that might be able to because everything's franchised these days you know yeah, I mean? and you guys yeah. have one that's obviously recognizable yeah i mean you know it's interesting because um i think there there are so many different yeah there are so many different ways that you could go with the sequel and it it really just it is the stars kind of aligning you know where the studio mm-hmm. kind of wants to do some, do, do another one um and, and the right idea so you know i'm always talking to, to craig and tony and you know if something sparks something sparks yeah yeah absolutely and, would it be called final destination knowing that those weren't the final destinations either. Yeah, it, you know, of course they would have to. <laughs> they'd have to call it final destination just because of the brand recognition. The finaler destination. This is the finalest the destination finalist you're ever going to see ever. <laughs> really, the final Super, destination. Like we mean, yeah, final destination. We mean it this time. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that was the only thing with the title because uh, you know originally it was called Flight 180. But mm. I, I I told them I was like you know if we make a sequel, you know we we're stuck with flight, you know? Right. So it's either going to have to be always flight planes, 182, 183. <laughs> right. Um, but then one of my friends, Brett Leitner, that I, that I worked with at New Line, you know, he came, he came to me one day. He's like, you know, what about Final Destination? You know, they say that when you're getting off a plane and that's kind of like your Final oh, Destination life. And I'm like, it's tight. whoa, you blew my mind, Brett. And that's um, it. That's a title. And you know so, it when you know it. You, you know, know it when mean? you know it. Yeah. So, um, so it, even though it also, you know, you're setting yourself up for a joke with sure. sequels, um, yeah, that some hack but, podcast host is going to get through you. No, day. please. No, it's not even a podcast. It's every, you know, it's anybody it. on right. the internet. It's like, you oh. lied to me about that being final. Yeah. Right. I spent my money because I thought it was final. What well, did Stifler die? Well, you know, the, well, that's the, that was the issue with the final destination is um, that one ironically came out right before the, you know, got went into production as a writer's strike was happening. Right. So they had to rush that one in production and they called it the final destination. And, you know, in horror, you don't do that unless you're – it's the final chapter where you're going to kind of give Which some – they've done ins- a few times. Right. But but usually it's like within – at least with the final chapter, it could have ended there and sure. you, you had your resolution. Um, and so everybody kind of went into this one going, we're going to get answers about like who Tony Todd is and what's going on with this. And the movie didn't have any – you know, it was just a sequel. Sure. You know, with, with no answers. So – and it was in 3D. So that movie made bank. It did better than – any of the other ones. It was the height of that 3D thing where everybody, Jackass was doing 3D, everybody yeah. was doing 3D. It was, yeah. And people thought they were going to get some answers and then they left and they're like, I didn't, that was just a sequel. Did people so, hate, you, hate on you for that? Um, well, I didn't write it. They hated on everybody <laughs> right. else. But, like, but you know, they hated on it because they, they were expecting answers, I think. What, you which know. one is that? Which is the one with the carnival? 
Um, that's the third one. The third final one. destination is, Na- is NAS- NASCAR. Okay. Well, you don't want to be around there during hey, the yeah. final destination. Do any moving parts but, um, going at high speeds. But it's a fun, you know, it's a fun movie, but it, they, it isn't getting, didn't give any answers. So you, you, sure. can't, you can't, you know, in horror, you really, you have to let fans kind of know what they're in for when they're going in. Because um, I'll go watch, you know, I'll go watch any kind of horror movie. I don't care. And, you know, as long as I kind of know what it is, like if I don't care if it's like a, the budget's like $500. If I go know going in, it's a $500 horror movie. Then I set my expectations accordingly, sure. and I enjoy the movie. And but, something like It Follows or The Babadook, like those were all indies that did really well, yeah. but they had the kernel of a very strong idea, yeah. a very strong concept. Um, I'm going to the Ren Fair, and as you know, as of the release of this episode, I will have gone to the Ren Fair. I might be, <laughs> so I might be dead, this but I'm so going meta. to the Ren Fair, <laughs> and the Ren Fair could be my final destination. No, don't ever say. You know, like some that. dude, you know, I could get like stabbed by like a turkey leg or something, or like an errant. Like, do they do Lansing at the thing? Do they do the joust? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't been there. You haven't been to the Renfair? No, you're, I've heard. You're leaving. But oh, no, they have dinner there. And they, I think they do do the jousting Dude, stuff. What about this for Final Destination? Medieval Times, they'll sponsor it, put some money in it. They're at a Medieval Times. They're chowing down. Dudes are out there doing the joust, doing the stuff. And then shit goes bad, medieval style. And then, hey, the poster, get medieval. Because I've never put that on a poster before. That's so funny. <laughs> well, no, but I don't know if you ever saw the... Uh, and do people just pitch you stupid-ass concepts for high destinations? Um, I, I usually can't. I usually stop them from it just yeah. because the only reason is be just legally. Legal. Yeah. Legal, just for legal stuff. Like, Go ahead and use the medieval times thing. No, it's well, dumb the, enough. No, but did you... Did you? The funny thing is there was they, there was actually... They were pushing a concept at one point, and there's a, there's a trailer online for it. That was kind of like Final Destination meets Game of Thrones, where it was like set in medieval times. You mm-hmm. can Google it, and um, that they, that was one of the ideas they were they were actually pushing for a while. But oh, wow, it, yeah, like just to show that death is timeless, you know, and that and that it, that's just Game of Thrones <laughs> because you're so invested in every single one of those characters, right? And you know, most of most them are going to die. Yeah. So, guys. Final Destination Game of Thrones is just Game of Thrones. <laughs> so that's not an idea. Yeah. It's just Game of Thrones. But the tra- look at the trailer. The trailer actually looks pretty cool. I was like, that's actually But this is awesome. something somebody made? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's not were, just a parody trailer It's or not something? a parody trailer. It's a project it's a, somebody it's actually a, wants to it's do. A, it's a, it was a concept trailer. Um, oh. Yeah, but it, did, it didn't go anywhere. But I, I, I thought it was, it was was pretty cool, actually. That is cool, man. And somebody like tagged you on Twitter or something. I was like, Jeffrey Reddick, you got to see this thing, man. No, I think, um, I think they actually... Somebody involved with the studio. I think it was actually, oh, wow. yeah, made with the idea of, of actually potentially going that direction for a sequel. And the thing with New Line, obviously, they got a ton of Peter Jackson money. Like, they ended up getting a ton of money yeah. off Lord of the Rings. And then what happened? Because that was the studio that Freddie built. And then when stuff like, I mean, the, was the, did the Golden Compass just end it? No, you know what happened was... you know um, they talk about the Golden Compass being the yeah, one that was just no. like the big spend that no, that's, didn't that's turn cool. out? Um, no, that's No, New Line, the thing was Warner Brothers you know, bought New Line. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time a corporation buys a smaller company, you know, they absorb it. Right. And they're like, well, you know, we have, you know, we're, we have people doing what you're doing. Um, you know, so they, they just, I mean, it was, hor- it was, it was really bad. I mean, they pretty much everybody in New York that I had worked with hundreds of people, they just fired them hundreds. all. Hundreds, just fired them all, fired most of the LA office. Um, they used to be over here on Robertson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they were still there for a while. I think that they might even still have a floor there or something. But sure. you know, there's a there's still some people left from New Line that worked there. Um, and I know they didn't want to let the label go because it was so recognizable, especially after Lord of the Rings. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. they used that label at the beginning of The Hobbits as well, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. So you know, it, so it, you know, it was, it was, it was just a it was, 
it's business, so you mm-hmm. kind of have to like not take things personally. I didn't work there when it happened, but I was pretty devastated because a lot of my really lifelong friends just got thrown on the streets. It was it was awful. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, and there wasn't any thing bad that New Line did to like have that happen. It's just, you know, businesses and corporations, they just, you know, they, right. they don't care. So somebody's been working there for 20 years, they don't care. And what are they going to do with Freddie? Have you heard anything that they're going to do with Freddie? I mean, come on, man, we got to get, let's get you a gig. Let's let's have you do this, this Freddie thing, man. Let's call up Wes. Oh. Let's, let's, what's that? Call up Wes on a Ouija let's, board. Let's just call him, oh, no. Let's call up his people. Let's call up his estate. You're right. We oh, did lose God. Wes. That is sad. It was, and we lost, it was, um, it was. It was really. Because I, was thinking, it, I was thinking of John Carpenter, who no. our, I, we have. You know, like our friend Gavin Hignite, who's been on Geekscape, is good friends with. He's always shooting his music videos for his music, right? So I was. My sincere apologies, horror fans. I was absolutely thinking of John Carpenter, who we love, and we are so glad he's still with us. Yeah. yeah, Wes is gone. Yeah, that was really sad, and he he actually passed on the the day that we finished shooting Dead Awake, and so I didn't. Like I went to bed that night and I shut my phone off at night and um, I woke up the next morning and my phone was just blowing text messages and stuff. I'm like, and I thought something happened with the film. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, crap. And so it was, it was like people just calling me to let me know that he died because I know he was such a big influence on me. And um, yeah, it was just a really, I mean, I only had the pleasure of meeting him like twice, um, but just his influence on me and, you know, my life has just been phenomenal. So I saw him at a screening of one of his last movies, the one with the Ripper that he did it was one where what was the name of this movie universal put out and the, um seventh uh, seven souls or um, something like something, that yeah um, it in in you were like i don't want this to be his last week because it wasn't great but then of course he did that last scream movie that i thought was really good yeah i, enjoyed I actually it. really enjoyed the I last scream movie because it had the distance from the originals and it could reference the, orig- the originals and it was kind of cool to have a, a franchise that's about horror movies Start to be about itself. Yeah. And it was just as fun and um, surprising as the original one was, yet tonally, and it was, it was it aligned pretty nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah definitely that. recommend it. It's kind of cool to have those four movies not really have any dips in quality. No, no. Throughout all of them. Yeah, I can watch all of them. And, and It's very rare. Yeah. yeah. So shout out to Wes. Um, you know, if they do anything with Friday Thir- or Nightmare on Elm Street, like that is the franchise that I think... Right now, with the effects being where they are, again with that comic book style of yeah. of action, I think I they mean, should do dream. I think they literally should do Dream Wars because I just call it Nightmare on Elm Street Dream Warriors yeah. and make it like almost like the beginning of a new franchise. Yeah, yeah they could totally do that. It was funny because I'm I was one of the many people who pitched for for Freddy versus Jason, and mm-hmm. and my idea was actually to bring um, Tina with telekinesis from Part Seven of Friday the Thirteenth, bring her um, Alice Alice and her son Jacob who would be, now be a teenager because you mm-hmm. get teenagers in your horror films. Um, and then I created this new character who could like lucid dream so she could control dreams. And I brought them together to like fight Freddy, you know, who'd paired up with Jason. So it was right. like, but New Line was like, oh, it's too, it's too dark and violent because it was really dark sure. and serious. And, you know, I think there was a comic book aspect to it that made it still a safe movie to make because right. you could get, you could still get some of those fans. And there's a, I mean, by the end of those, those, Friday Thirteenth movies. There was a lot of comedy too. I mean, right. when he take. I mean, by Jason takes Manhattan, you know, and especially yeah. like like Todd Farmer who wrote the script for Jason X. Like, but that stuff is like so fun, right? It's like okay, you know, we're having fun with this thing. He's fun. in space, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. And um, and I think that now, if you, the, my, what worries me about horror and as a screenwriter 
everybody wants those contained horrors and I'm so sick of it. Yeah. Like clearly, you know, this stuff works. People are into it. You can keep the budgets down. You can keep the cast down. You can do it. And it, it is very hard to do well. Um, something like Don't Breathe does it well. Like these movies do do well. But understand from our perspective as writers, there are so many of those scripts out there because everyone is asking for these right. things because they're so producible. You can make them for cheap and then turn them around for a profit that it is really hard to cut yourself from the chaff of all yeah. of Hollywood. Yeah. And I think I told my manager, like, hey, man, I'm purposely, and if, even if it means going hungry, I cannot write a contained horror movie because it... They're not the horror movies I grew up with, right? Well, and the, here's the here's the here's the the real truth. On and then it we're going to talk about Dead Awake. Okay, no, I, and, and how it's maybe different <laughs> or the same or whatever. It's a contained um, horror movie. No, yeah. Um, so I don't think you jerk. But no, but um, the th- the thing with that model, and I understand it from a business point of view, but everybody keeps trying to model it after the Blumhouse model. Sure. And the difference with Blumhouse is they have a proven track record. So somebody like Ethan Hawke, you know, they can get a a, a movie star to be in their yeah. movie. And give them back end on the movie. And there's every chance that they're going to see a profit on that because Jason Blum has proven that model works for him. He's very smart. He's not working with first-time filmmakers. Right. He doesn't work with, he, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't work with first-time directors and filmmakers. Um, and he has a track record where he can get an, an, a movie star to be in his film. Mm-hmm. And the problem is you have people that don't have those track records, you know, that they're are wanting to, like, cop, that want to copy that. They're like, well... They got Ethan Hawke and Jason Blumhouse movie. It's like, yeah, because he knows he's going to get real back end. You're not going to get Via for me. You're not going to get these people. You're not going to get these people for your film. Um, and so it's it's been a blessing and a curse. And it's been a blessing to show that you don't need stars, even though the Blumhouse movies have stars. But it's been a curse because now everybody wants to make those movies, but the investors still want you to have a bunch of stars in your film. And it's like they're not going to take a chance on you – know, if you're not under the Blumhouse label, they're not going to take a chance and be in your – film for no money so so instead they maybe start going in the direction of these final of these not final um on these um paranormal activity movies right and then i mean this found footage stuff it got out of control for a while and i think yeah. it still is with like this phoenix right what was the phoenix phoenix ascending phoenix right yeah that one just came out and like and it it was nothing it i haven't didn't, seen it, it didn't really do anything yeah, i think i didn't get a chance that's the other worry is like it's either a found footage movie or a contained horror movie and the imaginations like from my perspective, the imagination of what is actually terrifying, which is the concept, it gets very limited because yeah. you immediately have to start thinking of concepts that can work as found footage or found or as a contained space. Right. And well, look, and don't breathe. Well, I don't forget what the budget was on that, but that's not a typical. That was cool. Low budget because they, you know, they. I mean, they obviously had money to to make that movie. And and they Alvarez had, is very talented. Yeah, and they had some great talent. I mean, the Percy Jackson lead mm-hmm. was in. I mean, they had some, they had stars in that one, but um. I, I will say I did see um, this movie, Found Footage 3D. What's it, what's found, it called? F- found Footage 3D. It's literally called Found Footage yeah, 3D. And it's and it's really awesome. Scott Weinberg, um, I, he's in it. Um, and and it's some a, of my friends. It's, and, a, it's parody though. It's a, it's it's not a parody. It's about these it's about these filmmakers who want to make a film, and okay. like, we've got it. We think we got to think of a gimmick because everybody's done this to death. And the guys like, we'll do it in 3D. Okay. And the director's like, "What the f are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah, in 3D? you can't this do found footage. Yeah, and um, can I say fuck? I'm yes. Like, okay. Okay. Say like, it what again. the f? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not a prude now that I've now that I learned like, <laughs> it's going to start. You know. Um, and so they go out. They go out to this place where some bad things have happened to start filming, and they get out there. And two of the actors were married when they started working on the film, but now they're divorced, so they hate each other. And the, the they they get out there, and the 
you know, writer's like, look, I'll tell you all the rest of the story when we get there. I just want it to be fresh. And they get out there and realize he hasn't finished his script. We're going to find it. Um, and so we're going to, yeah, right. And so we're going to find it. So the humor all comes from anybody who, you, you don't have to know filmmaking at all to enjoy it, but it's, it's kind of the idea of, because they, they, they play it for straight mm-hmm. and then it gets really scary and really dark. But oh. it starts off hysterical because it's like, you know, they're like, we got, you know, they, they want to make a movie. That's hard to do, but that's very cool. Yeah, yeah, they, so really it actually well. starts out as a bit of a comedy, a bit of like, remember American Movie and how awesome that was? Oh, the yeah. documentary on actually making an indie horror movie. Yeah. Like, if you guys haven't seen that documentary, yeah. American Movie, it's really awesome. It's yeah. about the making of a horror film uh, on a very independent, like 16 millimeter level. Um, and so it kind of goes like that, and then it turns into an actual horror movie. It turns out because there's cool. actually something, there's, there is something where they're is shooting Is it in at. 3D? Um, it is in 3D. It is <laughs> in 3D. That's awesome. I think that's cool. Um, yeah. That's like a triple hat trick that they just pulled. Yeah. And um, and uh, I think they're getting distribution. I mean, because I saw it. I'm like, this movie's like freaking great. Yeah, I just, it's really, when it comes out. That's awesome. You definitely, that one you should check out. Because it's just, okay. the char- it's all, you know, because it's always about characters and and again because it's kind of a little self-referential like scream mm-hmm. you know so it's yeah the guy's like the writer's like well you know i didn't actually finish this movie and then he's like but we didn't we have to shoot it now or we aren't we're not gonna right. have any money and the director's like what that it has it's great it's a lot of fun and um geekscape is if you're really into horror you're enjoying this conversation with jeffrey and i you should probably check out our podcast on the geekscape website we have a podcast that our friends matt kelly and uh scott rogers and 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 i don't know adam what's what's your last name adam uh they're the host of the uh horror movie night podcast and what they do is uh, they take a suggestion from the audience on what horror movie to review they all watch it they make notes on it and then they get together with you guys and review it for you and uh it's actually really it's a really awesome podcast i'm really proud of it and so it's up on the geekscape website at geekscape.net so uh search for it on soundcloud itunes but uh it's called horror movie night and it is an awesome podcast and a couple of them sent in questions for jeff we'll get to those but we've been beating around the bush oh yeah i know I'm, I'm sure I'm let's sure, actually like, talk i'm sure about the, the director movie. and everybody involved in did away because like when it's like when is he gonna start talking about, about this movie <laughs> all right my apologies i'm so interested in jeff and like his view on things that like we all grew up on that i was like i've got to hear his view on this stuff if i let him just talk about dead awake he'll leave after 15 minutes <laughs> so this this film starring Bray grant dark friend uh what is what is the story on this thing where did it come from um it's it's an interesting story um some producers brought me just some news articles on sleep okay. paralysis which i was unaware i didn't know it but i had it once in my life dude I've, i suffer from it regularly most what they say one in three people um is going to have it once in their life before they die i wake so, up with blood on my hands really no, like i no. made that up oh. but but i do have like sleep apnea and then sleep paralysis where i'll wake up and i'll consciously be awake but i can't move my body right and it's terrifying yeah. and i'm trying to like tell myself my finger to twitch i'm like twitch twitch and that's the comment yeah that sometimes was the- i mumble wake me up if i'm sleeping next to somebody i'm like trying to say like push me or something right so yeah no and i didn't know how common it was until i started reading about it and then i started reading the history of it and you know they because a lot of people report seeing something on their chest like choking them and a lot of people say say it's an old hag so Uh that's where the term haggard comes from depends Um, on what kind of party i have (laughs) i try not to have too many many old hags sitting on my chest that could be a hey everybody's got their price jeff (laughs) um but that's where the term haggard comes from, is people thought that the night hag was sitting on people. And so you you, wow. you hear them talk about the hag in the Bible, the Shakespeare talks about it. Um, so when I started studying the history of this, um, it was just really fascinating. And then also it kind of gave me a way to get into that Nightmare on Elm Street space. Mm. I, I, because people hallucinate and they see things. Um, so it, it kind of 
gave me a chance to like this is a chance to create a story that's that's kind of in that world that I love and you know you come up with some bumps because you're like okay well if everybody's been suffering this or a lot of people suffer this throughout history why aren't it, why isn't everybody dying so then you had to kind of come up with a reason that kind of makes this story unique um, and your character's unique so that you know so that you can kind of explain your way into this world as mm-hmm. to why so it became about belief like if you kind of know about this entity and you start believing in it then the it can kind of sense it, it can sense you and start coming after you huh um, oh, shit. And so, yeah, I just developed, you know, developed the story out of that. And, um, you know, there, it's, 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 it's interesting because, you know, at the end of the day, you have somebody who's laying in bed paralyzed. It's like, okay, you got to make that scary. And they're helpless. And they're helpless. And you have to somehow, as a, as a screenwriter or a filmmaker, get in their head without them being active at all, physically, yeah. physically. Yeah. And so you have to, like, you have to come up with, you know, scary th- things that they're seeing and experiencing mm-hmm. and, um but also, Philip did a great job um, because there's the reality, there's a, the waking world. There's the director this, is oh Philip Guzman. Okay, great guy, love him. Um, we're really good friends. He just finished another film called Two Hundred Hours that I executive produced. Awesome, he's an amazing guy. Um, so there's the rea- the real world, then there's the sleep paralysis world, and then there's a couple of nightmares. So there's like three different levels of reality, and he did it all with lighting because uh, again, this was a, kind of an independent film, and it mm-hmm. looks looks amazing. And uh, we got a great cast. We got uh, Jocelyn Donahue playing. Uh, uh, twins, actually. So you Whoa. get twice the Jocelyn. Uh, we have Jesse <laughs> you Brad. You didn't have to pay her more, did you? No, we didn't. She She's was like, I want to bump a tr- for she this. She was a trooper. That's she was awesome. such a trooper. Um, we have Jesse Bradford, mm-hmm. uh, Lori Petty, Bria Grant. Um, I love all of them. Jesse Borrego, who is... I, I actually love him. He's been in so much stuff, but he was in fame. Oh, really? um, the original Jesse and fame. And I love the story with him is because they auditioned him. He I, is living forever. And uh, he is. And um, <laughs> he's awesome. And he... Um, his story about fame is he auditioned, and they, I guess his headshot got separated from his resume, so they didn't know how to contact him. So they put an ad out looking for him. That's awesome for fame. And I'm like, and, they will know, not do that today. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> They'd be like, ah, screw it, we'll find somebody yeah. else. Uh, so you know, we we have just a really great cast. Where did you guys film it? Uh, San Antonio, man, back home near me. Yeah, yeah, and it was really like there's a lot of local. Uh, Billy Madison, who's got a big show back um, in Texas, uh, is on it, and there's Dr. Genovese, who's a pl- well-known plastic surgeon. Okay. Um, so, and there's just, yeah, just a lot of it, a lot. So of who does it follow? Talk. I mean, you have this concept that there's this it, literally like you, you start to see this hag on your chest or this this thing yeah, that hunts she's not you. Really, yeah, she's it's this it's a entity, hag. this yeah. entity that hunts you when it when it smells the, your it's fear. Smells your fear. Going to happen. Yeah. And and who do we follow in this? Uh, we follow. Uh, uh, Jocelyn Donahue, mm-hmm. um, who starts investigating it um, because one of her somebody because her sister's being like terrorized, right? But and in investigating it, you open the door for this right. thing to come and out. And she doesn't realize, right. right? She doesn't realize that by starting to investigate it, she's opening the door, and then as she's getting people around her to believe in it as well. Oh, great! Now, now too, she's like put her family, the popular her, lady at the party. Yeah, now. yeah, she's put her family and friends in danger. So <laughs> way to do that. Yeah, thanks, Jocelyn. Yeah. Um. So it, you know. It, that was the key is like making kind of believe the key. So hopefully when people leave the theater, they start going, oh, crap. No, it's, it's almost like an infection movie when you yeah. think about it. It's almost yeah. like not unlike Nightmare on Elm Street. Like it's one of those movies where in, in, in knowing Nancy, you're in danger. Yeah. In knowing these people, you are in danger. Right. So that is kind of cool. And when you take that view of it, that uh, in trying to spell the curse, she is she's bringing perpetuating it, it. And this is definitely more, you know, we, we had a lot of fun with it, but it was, this is definitely more, there's a lot of like character and, and drama in it. And it's funny mm-hmm. because I mentioned Nightmare on Elm Street because it's such an uh, impactful film on me. And, you know, there's a bathtub scene that I wrote that's, you know, just an homage. Your shadow, yeah. You know, because you have to do that. But 
it's interesting because there were so many things that happened in it. Because, you know, we didn't go for the, like, obviously, it's, it's about sleep paralysis. So, they're, you know, the night hack's not, you know, twisting reality like Freddy does or anything mm-hmm. like that. But um, there were some interesting scenes. There's, like, a scene on a on a bridge where uh, Jocelyn Donahue's character, Kate, gets a lot of information. And people are like, oh, you took that from the Nancy Glenn scene on the bridge in the Nightmare. Oh, I'm like, oh. they're like, no, I, I actually wrote that in a gazebo, but they just found a bridge. And, <laughs> and to separate the twins, they gave one of them a white streak in her hair. And I was like, oh, you did that because of Heather Langham. And they're like, no, we just wanted – I was like – <laughs> whatever fine how much but, of this stuff is subconscious though because you're making movies with people who have such a lot like big appreciation and uh you know dearth of knowledge of all this stuff that it's almost secondhand. these it, are the, these are their influences as much as they're yours right you know? right yeah i think it i think it, part of it is that and i i just for me it, again this is why you know this this film is just very you know dear to me because it's just it's a personal story but also it is kind of you know it just does play in that nightmare realm and so when i see all those nice touches and then you know just knowing how important Wes craven was to me and um it will always be to me just personally and Uh career-wise um you know this is just a really personal film and it's a you know again it's a touching film it's you know dealing with guilt and you know addiction and family and and um it's not heavy soapboxy but it's not you know it's more of a creepy you know it is a supernatural like thriller to it it's an it's a supernatural thriller like i used i i hate i used to hate when People in Fangoria would be like, well, this isn't a horror movie. It's a supernatural thriller. And I'd be like, like well, that sounds like you. a horror movie. Yeah, they're <laughs> the same like, thing, but you're yeah. just acting like horror is a dirty word. And this one. Sorry, it doesn't have a bunch of people getting stabbed repeatedly. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Which, how many times do you need to watch that? Yeah, but I. Yeah, and the funny thing is, I, I'm, I, I've written my first slasher movie, which we're going to be doing next. But oh, I'll, great. We'll talk about that in a little after we talk about Dead Awake a little more. Sure. Um, well, we'll, but, yeah. but Dead Awake was just, you know. Yeah, it's a it's just a really special film, and and I'm really again I became like family with the with the producers and the cast, and uh, Jocelyn did her first monster her first convention went to Monster Palooza. All right, and Philip is amazing because he's he's more of a film noir kind of director. Sure. So he's been going to these conventions. And he's like just falling in love with like the horror geeks because they're like, so oh my God. passionate and, and loyal. He's like I know he is like blown. Like we went to Monster Palooza and we did a panel really early. And I'm like oh he's gonna want to leave. Afterwards, no. And so I was like, "Hey, do you mind hanging out for a little bit?" He's like, "No, no, I'm having a great time." So I went around and got all the autographs I wanted, and I'm getting tired because I do the conventions all the, you know, I go all the time when I can, and I was tired. And so it's like, you know, five hours later, and I'm fine. Philip and our producer James, I'm like, "So you guys ready to go?" They're like, "Hell no, we're having a great time." And I'm like, (laughs) "Fine." (laughs) You converted them. I've converted them. They're in it to win it. But but it's it is so nice because he does. You know, people that don't know our community just don't realize how. No, what, no matter what kind of geek you are, if it's sci-fi, if it's horror or fantasy, you know, gaming, um, you know, the, you know, people just don't realize how passionate and, and, and we are about this stuff. And there's a sense of community that you yeah. don't often get when you're consuming this stuff. When you're reading a comic book, you're probably not doing it in the round. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're probably just reading a comic by yourself. Yeah. And for a lot of us, like the v, like watching VHS, we were in a, you know we were in a room with a few friends at a sleepover. Or maybe we're in a movie theater or something, but um, video games can be isolating. Yeah. Comics can be isolating. The existence of being someone who is counterculture can be isolating. Yeah. And to have these communal like things and this acceptance uh, can be a big rush for us. It can oh, be absolutely. a big relief to know that we're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's why. And you know, most of the horror, you know, ninety nine percent of the horror, you know, writer, director, actors I know are just like the nicest people. And people mm-hmm. meet them and they're like can't believe you guys are so nice and it's like what do you think you're gonna be yeah because you write all this dark because you write all this dark stuff and i'm like yeah i think we just 
we probably get out all of our negative shit in our writing. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I, I actually have fun. Like with me, when I'm writing horror, it's more like I want to write stuff that I haven't seen before. You know, so I'm trying to think of like, okay, what's going to be like a really cool scene that I haven't seen that's going to yeah, stick in people's mind and. So it's, for me, it's always fun. Like that's why I, you know, I'm surprised I haven't done it. You know, I've been up for a couple of slasher movies, but I, I hadn't done one before, and so writing one was actually really fun. Do you think they're coming back? I mean, it seems um, like everybody's going psychological, contained, um, ghost. I, um, not that I, it matters. But. Yeah, no, I, I hope I hope they do come back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm the the film that we're doing. I mean, it's it's with Lionsgate, and it's um, it's the this is another thing I've been trying to do forever was just to you know, get a film with a diverse cast, which has been, you know, it's just been a fight. It's been like, even with Final Destination, you know, I'm like, this movie takes place in New York, so the cast should be a little diverse, you know, because we're New the York. The city is diverse. And they're yeah. like, okay. And then they end up casting all white kids. Not going to work. And, and, not going to freaking work. And I'm like, guys, we're going to we're, we're try to make it a little, okay. We'll that could be Westchester. Yeah, that could be Westchester. So, but it's, you know, the the sad reality is for as far as we've come, you know, as a society is, is, Especially internationally, you know, films that are seen as urban films don't sell as well internationally. And okay. that's, that's the reason they won't, you know, they don't, you know, Get Out is shown. I mean, that movie's made over, I think, $150 million domestically. The phenomenal. It's amazing. It's an amazing movie. Um, but the film that I'm doing for Lionsgate is called Superstition. We have mostly an African-American and Latino cast. Great. And, and it, the great thing is it's just a great slasher movie and it doesn't have anything to do with race. It just happens to be that we're following some friends who, you know, this is who would be this hanging is out their, together. Yeah, in this New is our group of right. friends. Um, so it's been it's just been amazing. Ludacris is in it, and Bow Wow, and Evan Ross, and um, Lauren McLean. We've got Janae Aiko. There's a lot of. And they start shooting, or are they? Shot? Um, they're going to start shooting in June, and it's gonna, uh, the Getz Brothers who did the Martyrs remake and Cena wow. are doing it, and um, really pumped about it. It's just I, it it yeah, it just I, writing a slasher film first and foremost is fun uh-huh. and it's based on the superstition that deaths happen in threes so two people two people die on a college campus and somebody's There's one more coming <laughs> so somebody starts a deadpool to oh, figure out shit. who the person is gonna die and then a third person dies and then our, our our heroine wins the deadpool money but then somebody starts going after people that enter the pool and sure. um so in just, threes in in yes yeah. there's yeah the 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 true rule of threes is this magic square. So there's like three three sets of threes. So it's right. nine people in total. So they think the Deadpool's over with the third death, and but then it's like, wait, again. there's more. Um, so it was just really fun to just write like a guy with a knife, you know, going going it. after people. It, I mean, it's Wes Craven style. Yeah, it's, it goes back to that stuff that you love. Yeah, so it's, it was really fun to write, and and I think that um, you know, again, I I think it's going to do well, and I think it'll. I think I think we're due for a good slasher. Sure. You know, we're due for a good slasher movie. Yeah, no, I I am. Um, I'm just trying to think of when the last one was. I did like your next. Yeah, I not loved that it next. was not that it was a slasher movie. It was it was like Home Alone for adults. I actually mentioned that I, I did an interview earlier today, and they were talking about what movies I'd seen that I thought were really good, and that was one I brought up too. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's not really a slasher, but you could you could consider that. Sure, it's a but little it home invasion, awesome. but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your next was good. I mean, Hush was good. The, the, I mean, it's crazy to think that uh, what was the one with Liv Tyler? Oh, The Strangers. The Strangers. Strange. It's crazy to think that movie's almost like what ten, fifteen years old. Yeah. Like, geez, yeah, like another home invasion movie that like is. I mean, that genre was doing well. And if you guys haven't seen uh, your next, it's actually pretty oh, awesome. It's, really, it's fun to watch. It's such a fun movie to watch. Um, so I, I'm going to go to the book of knowledge. I'm opening oh. it up <laughs> to, to get some questions for <laughs> you from the Geekscapists. 
straight from the source. Um, guys, we're here every week. We do Geekscape every week. And, and uh, like if you go last episode, we talk about comic books. Next episode, we might be talking about screenwriting or movies or video games. But this is Geekscape. And sometimes we get geeks to just talk about all of them. But uh, this is a screenwriting and film and horror-centric episode. So if you enjoy it, again, Horror Movie Night Podcast on the Geekscape website. Uh, you can keep the, the the horror stuff going, but if you just want some general geek, just, just check us out every week. If you yeah. guys, if you guys want a nice shot of geek? sampling of geek every <laughs> every week for f- the entire year, just subscribe to Geekscape or share Geekscape with your friends. Um, and Westwood One did not put me up to that. They've been a great home so far. I was going to say this is like a fancy. This is like a super fancy. Yeah, it's been good. With you know, you know, Westwood One is a uh, is. It's been very nice to us, and uh, we love being a part of the family. Uh, so here's some here's some questions that some of the Geekscapists have dropped on you. And uh, let's see. So Sheldon Price says, when writing, how do you deal with like uh, horror classic, classic horror cliches, like avoiding them? Do you, do you just steer clear of them completely, or sometimes do you embrace them? Um, I th- I think you some of them you have to embrace, um, or you. What I try to do is. Take take them and put a spin on them, where you think, okay, they're going to do this because this is always what happens, and mm-hmm. then have something else happen. So I, I try I'm to, to it. I try, yeah, I try to because there are certain things you can't get away from in a way. Like you, now that we have cell phones, you know, cell phones have screwed up horror films, um, <laughs> right? You know, so you you don't want to have it be like, oh, we don't get, we can't we get a get signal, reception. we don't get reception. Sure. So you have to like try to figure out ways, you know, like what we what we did with the. The superstition, the Lionsgate thing is, you know, it's an app that you da- download app. Oh. And it actually gives a killer access to your phone. So, so you've they, embraced this. So I embraced bit. it for that one. Yeah, um, the speed bump that you usually have to hit, you embrace the yeah, speed so bump. Yeah, so now the killer actually, yeah, the killer can kind of screw with your phone so you can't call for help. Sure. Um, but, you know, there's some things you just can't avoid. Like, you, have, it's kind of the the just the way the genre is set up. You know, like you need to, there's certain kind of stereotypes, you know, you have to have in there. But, so um, would you answer? Would your answer just be to to acknowledge it and either fully use it as a plot device, or, or put a spin on it? Yeah, Try to put a spin on it. Absolutely. Um, our own Derek Cranevelt says, uh, "What's been your favorite death in the entirety of your Final Destination movies? You don't necessarily have to pick a death that was in one of yours that you wrote, but as producer, what do you think is no. your favorite? Well, they're super creative. Yeah, no, no." Um, I mean, I, I well, I have to give two answers. Let's my go for my it. favorite sequence is the log trucks because okay. that originally that was going to be a hotel fire, and the Craig Perry was like, "We need something better, Jeff." And something was, with movement. Yeah. yeah, we need something better. I'm like, "Why do you always do this to me?" No, <laughs> but I was go- I was going back to Kentucky and I got behind a log truck, and I was like, and I pulled over because I always do, and then I just pulled off the road. and I was like, "Holy fuck!" I'm like, "What about a?" Yeah. I called Craig immediately. I'm like, "It's like really late at night too." I'm like, "What about a log truck on a freeway?" That's what I'm talking about, Jeff. And then, so that opening is my favorite. That is scary, that man, driving alongside just, those things. And David Ellis and, you know, rest in peace, David, um, uh, we lost him too. But he that scene was just so well-directed too. And I think that that's still one of the best openings of, of a horror movie. That's cool. Um, but my favorite death would have to, would that the one that got me the most was the gymnastic scene from part five. Fuck that. Nope. Nope. <laughs> No, nope. anytime I see those girls in the Olympics, I wince. And they and it's not they're not even in a Final Destination movie. It's like I, I can't watch gymnastics. It freaks me out. It's it the, it's just the it, there's such a build up and then the way that it, she actually dies. <laughs> I can't talk like okay, that. Okay, all right. It's so okay. visceral. It's so brutal. Yeah, yeah, that was my um that was the one and Eric um 
who did the arrival. We, uh-huh. You know, that's, I, you know, it's just really nice because he's such a great guy too. And, um, you know, we've been, we've been chatting and stuff. And so it's, how cool is that you have like an Oscar nominated writer who's written one of your, uh, sequels. And, um, yeah, he just did a great, he just did a great job with that film. And in that gymnastics scene, just, I, I went to a screening at New Line, an early screening of it just to watch it. And I literally like screamed out loud when Makes I saw you that. sick. It's awful. And I'm telling you, Jeff, and it may not be your fault or his fault, but like, I when I watch the gymnastics, it's hard, man. I've had my knee explode on me playing basketball, so like oh. watching people land and do stuff on the gymnastics, like on the horse, any of that stuff, yeah. the jumps, the flips, I can't, man. I just figure that their legs are going to snap or something's going to bounce in their face. They can't do it. It freaks yeah. me out. <laughs> um, quick question from Seth Eisenberg: Night uh, jump scare, important horror tool or hacky crutch? You know what I. I think they're. I think if you overuse them, they're a crutch. Uh-huh. Um, but again, there there's sometimes you just want to jump. Yeah, and you know what? And the, I, the funny thing is, they those still get me. Right. Like I'm, I get so embarrassed when I go to see horror films with my friends because they're like, "Oh, nothing will scare you." And and I do like get out. Like I was just clutching my seat the whole time because of the dread. But the, throw a friggin' cat through a window and <laughs> la- yep, and I'm like screaming <laughs> like a buzzer, like a twelve year old. Yeah, like let's a, put buzzers on yeah, the seats like, again. So um, so when I ride, every once in a while, I'll put that stuff in there. I try to not to overuse. It. I mean, I, I don't throw a cat out of something, but sure. usually it's like a character who's. You know, creeping around and somebody you know will come up behind them. Like I'll I'll put a couple of those in there sometimes if it's needed. Um, you know, for the story because you sure. you want to have those moments that you know you want to have the builds up to a really great kill. But I think sometimes you need them. You want but, some atmospheric scares and then yeah. some scares that are just like surprise. That's surprise. Those. Yeah, that's surprise. So I try not to overuse them. Um, Matt MacGyver. I don't know if this is a, a jerk question or not. Oh, there's no jerk questions. Is this he, the one about he, Day of the Dead? No, he says he loves <laughs> the Final Destination series. Big fan. I'd like to know how much you, you got. Oh, yeah. It is the oh. that question. Matt MacGyver. I love you, man. You've been with us the whole time. But uh, he wants to know how much you got for 2008's Day of the Dead. What percentage of the final product was your fault? That's how he phrased I will, it. I he will, goes, how much of no, the final will, product was his fault? And if he thinks it was worth it. Like, it was, like, like, like you have blood money on no, your no, hands. No, 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 no. You know what? Or failing that. Of course I'm not failing that. I just asked him maybe what two properties you'd like to write a versus movie for. Like um, King Kong versus Godzilla would be shit. I, I lo- first of all, first of all, thank you for giving an alternative. Matt is like it's, that. No, but I that's nice. Matt. That's nice because but most people just most people just blunt. be like, most people are like, what the fuck were you thinking? Why'd you do this? <laughs> but I love the fact that you actually gave an alternative question. Yeah. I'm um, too much of a I will dick. answer. I'll answer both of them. Um, the situation with Day of the Dead is uh, they had already hired Steve Miner to direct the film. So they right. were they were going to make it. And that they were, train's leaving the station, That train man. was leaving the station. So they if you want a paycheck, you better jump on. Not even a paycheck. Honestly, they said, bring us, bring us, come in with a take. And my, and, and this is the honest truth, I'm not lying, my, my original take was very similar to the original. Like, it took place in a bunker. We had the evolution of Bud. We had, like, just a lot of the yeah. stuff was, was, it was very referential to the first movie. That movie's phenomenal. Um, and they, they hired me based on that. It was just updated, you know, really, right. and had some more action in it. And then, as I started writing the script, they kept making me change stuff and change stuff. And then, so it went away from the military and they kept, complex and they kept, yeah. And 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 there there got to be a point where I literally was fighting with the producers. I'm like, guys, we're gonna get killed, even if we made it the same movie, just mm-hmm. updated it. We're gonna get killed anyway. Right. Like, why make us get killed even worse? But they didn't care. Like, they really started. Str- like, at one point, they wanted to make Mina Savari like 13. Because they'd never seen a thirteen-year-old in a movie 
fighting and zombie. That and, was a sequel to the, the that was an unofficial sequel to one James Gunn kind of wrote for. Well, that it, was a, was it a continuation? It like wasn't the Bing a continuation. Rains characters no, and all those that no. survived the Dawn no, no. of the Dead, and that was that was kind of the pickle that the little bit of the pickle that we were in where we could only remake Day of the Dead. Right. It couldn't be connected to any of the other movies because of the rights because all the rights yes. tangles up kind of stuff. So. It did go from like something that I like. If you read interviews with me when I first got the job, and I and I don't bullshit. Like I literally, I was like, "Hey, this is going to be a movie the fans are going to enjoy." And if you read my reviews after we started shooting, I'm like, "It's a movie." <laughs> like I quit saying <laughs> we that. We made a movie. We made a movie. Um, so because I am a, was a writer for hire, I had to do what they told me on that. Basically, so it got uh, it really got away from what I had intended it to be, and. Um, it on its own, like literally, if you just watch it as a zombie, if they called it like zombie apocalypse and you went to see it, it's a fun movie. Mm-hmm. They just shouldn't have called it Day of the Dead. And I told them that right. when we were done, I'm like, guys, this is not where we. Dead, this yeah. is not Day of the Dead. Like, call it something else. Like this zombie, fl- you know, crawling up the ceiling and all that shit. Like that, all that stuff is like I'm sitting there cringing, going, oh, this isn't going to work. Um, and yeah, so it, I mean, I mean, I wrote it. Nobody else came in and wrote it, no. but. So you know, so unfortunately, the answer is one hundred percent, Matt McIver. It's a, it's it's my it's my <laughs> it's actual it's fault. it's my my fault under 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 duress, duress though because I really I honestly because I also wanted to work with Steve Miner sure and so this was a chance for me to work with somebody who'd done it, so many films that I had idolized and I went in going you know what they're going to make it I might as well have a fan do it who's going to do it justice and I literally they hired me based off of like a four page story outline that f- was very if you read it it's very close to the original movie and then as i started writing it they started changing it and i was like you know that's one of those things where it's like welcome to hollywood you said yeah welcome to hollywood and it's like you know and there, there was a point where they're like well you know either you write this or we're just going to bring somebody else on to do it yeah and you know at the end of the day i could have had somebody else come on and keep going in the direction they wanted but it would have still ended up there anyway right. and you know you don't want to be seen as a difficult writer, so you pick your battles. Um, in versus movie you'd like to make, obviously King Kong vs. Godzilla is something I'd like, but what do you think? Um, be anything. You know, I it, this is just going to sound cheesy because I, I mean, I, I would just like to do my Freddy vs. Jason movie. Okay. So. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> That's the only one I could think of. I think of. mine would start with Gremlins versus, and I got to pick something cool and it can't be Critters. It could be Critters, but um or killers killer clowns from outer space versus they got to think of something cool but oh, those are all franchises that I, I, the, the gremlins franchise is the one that like i would immediately jump <laughs> oh, like, Jonathan, i know something i know something yeah, i want to gremlins i know what i would want to do and i hope the go for it writer and director because tucker and dale versus evil yes love that movie i think that he should make tucker and dale the Abbott and Costello of horror films. And I and think they, they just kind of run into were, big bads. Were, so in each movie, like, so they did the Hillbillies in the Woods in the sure. first one. And I think they should do a Haunted House one in the second one. And I think they should just put them in all the Abbott and Costello situations. Because those guys are so have funny. Like a mummy and like they're, all stuff. Because yeah. those guys are, they're so funny together and have so much chemistry. It's like. That'd be it, cool. I think that that's, I, and I've been saying that every time I do an interview. Tell I'm Alan Tudyk. Well, if we get him in the show. And we, I should him, reach out to him. Tell, just tell him to do that. We should be like, hey, dude, you you know, you guys should freaking do it. Taylor Labine was, yep. the, was the actor yeah. in, along with him? Yeah. Yeah. They're, that, they they're were so, awesome. They're, and they have such great chemistry. Like, they should completely make those. Okay, now we're going to go uh, to level two. This, these, Wait, this, do you mean this, level two as in level a meaner two, question? This, this is completely the... going from the Horror Movie Night podcast. <laughs> kids. That was just the Geekscape kids. Now we're going into the sub-level of oh, Horror Movie now, Night okay. podcast. Okay. 
Ruby Rose, uh, Rudy Rose uh, says, Clear Rivers is a pretty memorable character for me, and I always thought it would be cool to have another survivor interact with the current victims, but mostly everybody dies. So if you could bring someone back, or a family member, side character, whatever you want, who would you choose if, if you could choose to unkill one of the Final Destination characters? You know, it's only it's, to rekill them. Probably. It's, well, it's, you know, it's it's interesting because in 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 my head, because I've actually had many conversations with Craig Perry about this. Because even though they, we never saw Alex die. Mm-hmm. You know, I would actually like to bring. I'm, I'm friends with Devin. He's directing now. I love him to death. He's a great guy. Um, and you know, we never saw um, Kimberly and and um, Officer Thomas die at the end of the second one. Mm-hmm. So we only know that they died because it was on the DVD extra. So. People that, that doesn't count. That, that doesn't, that's what I. That's what I told Craig. That's count. what I told Craig. I'm like most people. You know, just the geeks really watch the DVD extra. So but that doesn't count. So the most of the people who see the movie don't know that they're dead. Right. So I, I would love to bring Alex back actually, and, and you know, reveal that he actually didn't die. That he, you know, figured he, out a way. he could actually be the antithesis to the Tony Todd character and be like the one who's trying to save everyone while yeah. he's trying to kill everybody and he shows up with a scar and a yeah. bad leg and he's like kids follow me yeah I'll get you out of here safe yeah you, know, you can actually give him yeah. a cool and he's all role. like big and buff now he's like Is he? he's like a stud now he's like ridiculous damn get him in there stud up on a final destination I know, I know. so I'd, I'd, I'd like to bring him back um, Tyler Sharp says uh with film franchises being so favorable right now remakes reimagining reboots will we see more final destination installments even if it's direct to video sequels or you know hitting theaters, it's way more deserving than the Saw reboot we got coming our way. <laughs> that's that's his <laughs> words. Um, I think we've talked about that. I think we talked yeah, about you, you know what it, to it's, do it. It's, well, I mean, it's it's not even that. It, no, I mean, I I have definitely have ideas, and the producer has ideas. I mean, you know, again, it's it's the studio's decision at the end of the day. And I know that you know there is definitely like a fan base for us. So, and I think I think the good thing is we haven't the franchise hasn't worn out its welcome mm-hmm. by doing. T- too many of them. It's been paced and stuff. Like but you. on the other hand, I, you know, it's, it's that, I mean, just, as, you know, like I, I, again, I have some ideas and Craig's got some great ideas and, you know, Tony Todd's got some great ideas. I mean, I think that, no spoilers. You know, no spoilers. No, I'm just, because you never know if anything's going to happen with them or not. But, the, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where people are definitely want one and I hope that there is going to be one. Welcome so. to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, okay. Last but not least, we got uh, Megan Williams. She says, firstly, she loves Final Destination. Uh, the third film was one of the first horror movies she watched, and she's loved the films ever since. Uh, she's going to be the boring person, though, and ask, what Final Destination movie do you like the most? Which one do you like the least, and for a reason? Um, I like the second one the most, um, and it's because with that one, I kind of got to do... There's a whole bunch of stuff that I like to do with sequels, and... I like the idea of bringing back the original, somebody from the original. So originally I brought Alex and Clear back, but they just weren't, there was some scheduling issues with with Devin. So that's why they did the stupid thing with the killing with the rock, which was ridiculous. Um, (laughs) He got hit in the head by a brick. Um, But also I wanted to set up the idea that you you meet Kimberly and her friends and you think that they're going to be the leads. Um, But after the premonition, that truck comes in like smashes and kills all the her friends sure. so you're like wait a minute who the fuck are the leads yeah so i i had fun with, and then i also and they didn't explore it as much as i had originally done in my story but the idea that the people who cheated death in the first movie because they were alive they'd affected all these other people's lives that they didn't know about and so i got to do a lot of layering even though a lot of it was kind of pulled back a little bit i got to do a lot of you know instead of just remaking the first movie we got the do, know, a ripple do a ripple effect yeah. and expand on it. So that was my the second one's actually my favorite of the franchise. Um, you know the 
The third one's my least favorite. The carnival one. The carnival it's one. It's weird. It's 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 it gets a little hokey. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it, it, but it's I think fun. It's fun, but it's it's. I just feel like um. Like I didn't, and maybe this is something that I missed actually, and maybe the geeks can help me out. But like the roller coaster and the premonition goes off the tracks because the guy with the camera, like his camera, like loops around the rails, mm-hmm. and so. But he gets off the he gets off the roller coaster. So then I'm like, well, then what causes the accident? Right. And I did, I just felt it was a little it, loose, so, a little goofy. Yeah, yeah. And it's played for gags a bit. Like, and you know, one thing I worry about is like every time you see like, oh, here's the guy with the bow and arrow, yeah, <laughs> the, the crossbow. Oh, I wonder how this is going to end. Yeah. And, so yeah. I think that's my just just I think that's my that was that was probably my least favorite because I just felt it was a little I just didn't feel like they put like with the with the, especially like with the fifth one too I felt like because they called the fourth one the final destination mm-hmm. and it wasn't and there was such a backlash that by the time they got to the fifth one they really made a movie that was for the fans and it was designed it was the discipline was back and yeah and yeah. it was and you could tell they just you know Tony Todd had a bigger role and and it was just. It just felt like they put more thought and care into it, and it wasn't like a rush job. Not that the other ones were, but you know, I, I for me, three just felt like, and there were, you know, like, and I, and this is nothing, you know, no big deal, but you know, like, I love the tanning bed scene, but you know, I try to avoid just because I, you know, Nancy is my favorite movie mm-hmm. heroine of all time, and you know, my, I grew up with a very strong mother, and you know, a sister, and who's in the military, and you know, can kick my ass, and um, so I always try not to like have like gratuitous like nudity, and so that tanning bed scene is fine and it's fun for guys who want to see boobies but that scene goes on for like ever they're like hey <laughs> let's, let's put on our headsets and jiggle up and down in the tanning right. bed with no tops on for five minutes which probably never happens in tanning it, it doesn't really have <laughs> yeah, i've never seen that um but um i'm sure many people have rewound that part a lot <laughs> so um the third one's yeah the third one's my, like my least and the second one's my first favorite that's um, funny or my top favorite well geeks gave us those are your questions for Jeff. Uh, dude, thanks for coming, man. Oh, the no. movie is called Why... Uh, you were going to say Wide Awake. Awake. I was going to say Wide, wide Awake because I need to be Wide Awake. But <laughs> the movie's called Dead Awake. It comes out uh, next Friday or this coming Friday as of the release Thank of this show. Yeah. I'm releasing this one. We, we pre-recorded this one um, so you can continue your tour of press, your press tour. And um, as of the listening of this uh, podcast, it's coming out this Friday. So if you guys have your VOD or if you're in one of these uh, 12, 10, 12 cities that it's releasing in, go online, Google the movie, see if it's playing in your area. If you like seeing these movies in a, as a communal experience with your friends with a tub of popcorn and some drinks and some laughs and some screams, uh, go out there and see it in theaters. You know, I'm sure that helps. Uh, if not, if it's not playing near you guys, you can watch it on VOD. So... Uh, check it out. That sounds awesome. Yeah. No, we're really proud of it and um, and hope you guys like it. And thanks for having me on the show. Dude, Jeff, we need to hang out more. I know. And absolutely. not just see each other in the lobby after a movie. And now we're saying it on the air. We have to make it happen. There's no excuse. <laughs> Dude, and good luck in New York with this next one. Oh, Superstition. Oh. Superstition. We're going to be shooting that in Atlanta. In Atlanta? In Atlanta, yeah. For New York. Um, or did they change the setting from the script? Um, no. It, was no. it always Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or it wasn't. It, well, actually, it was said. It wasn't said any any specific. It was like now we small got town it. college. That's cool. Yeah. Well, so good really luck excited. with that one in Thank June, you. man. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And he'll be back with Bow Wow to promote that one. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> like, now I'm just saying that you was up. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he was in a friend of mine's film. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he's pretty cool. Uh, thank you guys uh, for listening. Thank Geekscape you. is always around. Geekscape.net is where we hang our hats. There's articles up all the time from our writers. We'll be at Comic Con. Uh, and come visit us if you guys have a badge. If you don't have a badge, be subscribe to Geekscape on iTunes. Share it with your friends if this is your first time listening to Geekscape because we'll take you to Comic-Con. We're going to be doing podcasts from the booth 
the entire weekend, we're also going to be doing a road to Comic-Con where we have more guests and we lead up to some of the people who will be signing at our booth at Comic-Con. And if you, hey, if you, if you don't have a badge, it's okay. You got us. That's what Geekscape's for, to bring you guys into uh, this communal experience that we're all having. So you find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, all of that, and um, be a part of it. Really appreciate it. Shout out to Westwood One for uh, being a part of this as well now. And Loot Crate. Go to lootcrate.com slash Geekscape. Use the promo code Geekscape for a discount. And we'll see you guys next week on the Geekscape. Over and out. Take care, everybody.